This new year, focus on what's truly important to you and let HelloFresh take care of dinner with fresh pre-portioned ingredients and recipes delivered to your door. Get 16 free meals plus three free gifts with code MLM16 at hellofresh.com slash MLM16. We saw it with Trump University, the promise to make riches by learning from the best of the best in the real estate industry. However, Trump University is far from the only company to take advantage of an entrepreneurial spirit. Today, we're going to take a look at the coaching industry, more specifically entrepreneurial coaching and the councils within it. Do these councils really want to join like-minded professionals and teach young people what it means to start your own business? Or are they just selling motivation and joining with reputable names like Forbes to create an illusion of legitimacy? Hello everyone, and welcome to Multilevel Mondays. Today, we're doing something a little bit different, and we're gonna be talking about how companies take advantage of the entrepreneurial spirit in a variety of ways. We'll touch upon the similarities and differences between them to scams that we've already discussed previously, but keep in mind that entrepreneurial coaching is an entire industry, and we're only mentioning a tiny, tiny piece of it. This is by no means a representation of the whole. I'm sure there are excellent business coaches out there, but you just won't find them in this episode. So with that being said, let's get right into it. Cutco Knives, Vema, Rodin and Fields. We've all seen MLMs such as these prey upon college students before. College students, unfortunately, make for a fantastic target for pyramid schemes for a wide number of reasons. For one, getting out of college, someone might have a lot of friends they added to their Facebook or Instagram or other social media. This gives them the makings of a perfect downline. Plus, as college students often haven't truly and fully entered the workforce yet, they're still a bit naive and perhaps a bit gullible as to how things actually work. Yet, fresh graduates are willing to work hard to prove themselves and many need to, considering the student loans and tuition debt they often face post-graduation. Not only are young adults particularly vulnerable to these types of scams, but MLMs can be especially hard to even break out of. The president of pyramidschemealert.org told the FTC in 2014 that, the pyramid scheme can mobilize its very own victims in cult formations to expand its reach, attack whistleblowers, and protect itself from law enforcement when exposed. It contains elements of cultism, mind control, authoritarianism, political corruption, and social disruption. We've all seen this before, and chances are, if you've been hanging out here for any length of time, you're already aware of what a pyramid scheme is. But what about when a company takes advantage of that entrepreneurial spirit itself? Some companies promise students resume building and management skills while living in that sort of gray area where students don't downright call themselves a scam, but aren't entirely comfortable with them either. One of these companies is one called College Works Painting. CWP, according to their website, helps university level students develop and utilize business ethics, communication, organizational management, and sales, all by building and managing their own residential painting business. CWP was founded in 1993 and hires over 2000 students every year, painting an average of 10,000 homes per year. Students that join CWP work under a student manager or mentor that will instruct them how to run a door-to-door painting business. According to an article on the bottom line from the University of California, Santa Barbara, the company merely uses these students to pay for the supplies, paint, and workers. Though they say you can make $4,900 per house you paint, they neglect to factor in the hours worked or the amount spent on supplies. 
$4,900 may sound like a lot of money, but they're leaving out key information. The article argues that CWP isn't technically a pyramid scheme, but they do operate using an MLM business model by taking a cut of profits from these interns. After all, the more money an intern makes, the more money the company makes, essentially making the company the upline in this scenario. Their pitches are also allegedly vague and advertised to random students without thought in the same way that many pyramid schemes are. Promising great opportunities is a hallmark of an MLM. So whether or not CWP is a pyramid scheme, they do share quite a few similarities. Yet in 2013 and 2014, CWP made over $200 million each year and hasn't really had any like noteworthy legal trouble when the article was written. On CWP's own site, they literally have an entire article about scam advice and state that anyone who accuses them of being a pyramid scheme needs to learn how to correctly identify a pyramid scheme. CWP says that as they have no dues to get started and as recruitment isn't required of their workers to make money, they are not a pyramid scheme. And personally, I think arguing that they don't require dues is kind of a weak point. It's kind of a weird argument point too, just in general. But yes, just about any MLM or pyramid scheme that we've seen covered before has required some sort of startup cost. That much is true. But the main money they seem to get is from the fact that they turn their so-called employees into customers. It could be argued that CWP does the same if their main source of money is from their employees taking a cut of their profit. Now, this truly might not be an issue if CWP delivers on its promises of opportunities and skill building. That cut of the profits could be seen as a fee for the sort of, you know, breaking into this new industry. However, there are students that feel CWP is a scam and that it's simply using them. The independent student newspaper, The Daily Iliani, says that CWP has advertised itself as a summer internship program where students can make $10,000 or more. But when they actually call these students and potential workers, they use a pseudonym instead of College Works Painting. One engineering student in 2017, Clausen, said he wasn't even allowed to leave with their information packets and brochures at a career fair. If you go to any career fair, you come back with like 30 sheets of paper easily because everyone is just trying to get their information out there. And to me, it seemed really sketchy that they didn't even want me to hold on to the papers, he said. Other students like Wade Kenny have claimed that it was the best experience they ever had, even though he almost didn't take part simply for CWP's reputation online. Tom Ackman, the VP of CWP in Illinois, says that the Reddit threads and online criticism about CWP come from people who haven't actually completed the program and that he's never had an intern who hasn't said it wasn't the best thing for their future. Clausen argues that if CWP wants a better reputation, they simply need more transparency and it's the deception that gives CWP a bad name. CWP does have a portion on their website now under the FAQ section that tells you how much the average house costs to paint, though the reputation online still remains far from stellar. There are other similar organizations out there, also with mixed reviews about their business model. Young Entrepreneurs Across America has been called a genuine and tightly knit entrepreneurial community by some and a pyramid scheme-like business by others. Once again, those that criticize the company say that YEAA advertised itself as a summer internship that can give students $10,000 through house painting, though the YEAA website itself is even vaguer than CWP. It was, as a matter of fact, genuinely difficult to confirm on their own site that it's another house painting internship until I saw the question, how will I succeed if I've never painted before on their FAQ page? Some claim to have genuinely made tens of thousands with YEAA and that it's changed their life for the positive. And some reviews claim to have earned almost nothing. Once again, it's very much a mixed bag. And it seems that if these companies were just more transparent, the reputations might thank them for it. While I'd be hesitant to call either of these a scam because honestly, I just 
don't know enough information about them. And it's been quite difficult for me to find verifiable information about this. And I, it, it, it's hard for me to call them a scam. It, that's just the bottom line here. But it's kind of a sort of coaching industry like intro thing because it's promising to teach you to run your own business. It's evolved in recent years to become all the more shady. And now it's granding itself in association with pyramid schemes and MLMs and stuff. So I don't know. I I feel like, you know, that association doesn't come out of nowhere. So it makes me suspicious, but I can't confirm or deny that they are a scam, unfortunately, at least not at this time. Now, instead of painting houses, earning a cut of the profit and learning so-called managerial skills, a business coaching industry has emerged that seems to solely focus on the latter. So let's dig into what that is. Business or coaching scams will often take advantage of new or naive entrepreneurs. According to the FTC, these scams can be disguised as coaching programs, investment opportunities, and business offers. When you hear that experts will teach you a proven method to make a successful business, or you can make five to six figures following our system, or you can make money now guaranteed, those should be massive red flags. Real estate seminars and investment coaching are two especially common and noteworthy examples. If they're scams, they typically won't really offer any specific answers to questions, but push statistics or how proven or cutting edge they are down their supposed students' throats. Personally, I believe the reason why the coaching industry can be so shady is because it's difficult to prove that you've actually gotten a product. And what I mean by that is, is when you pay someone to teach you for skills or confidence, there's no official end product. If you aren't more confident by the end of it, then a coach could say it's your fault for not trying hard enough or putting in the effort. But there's no tangible product to say that you've actually earned or gained any type of new skill. Forbes itself has actually warned their readers about these types of coaches in 2013, which I find especially ironic given what we're about to get into, but more on that in just a moment. They use the company and coaching service Ivy Capital as an example. Ivy promised their customers that for two to $20,000 on their products and services, you can make $100,000 while only working five to 10 hours per week. And it sounded too good to be true because it was. The entrepreneurs that paid Ivy a total of more than $100 million got very little in return and found it difficult to get their money back if they canceled too. Some sources such as Inc. argue that entire business coaching industries are bound to implode eventually. And the whole thing is quote, like some weird pyramid scheme where a bunch of coaches are coaching coaches on how to make money coaching. The author of this article, Amanda Abella, even claimed that some of these so-called coaches were giving horrible advice, like telling clients that potential customers weren't responding to social media posts because they needed hair extensions. There's definitely a business coaching bubble going on and it's only a matter of time before it pops, she wrote. Even so, business coaching scams remain relatively common. A few weeks ago on January 20th, 2022, the BBB released a scam alert about business promotions and coaching scams, and multiple sources have explained through their readers how to avoid them. Look at credentials, certifications. Do they have evidence of their work, testimonials, things of that nature? So with that all in mind, that's exactly what I'd like to do with the Forbes Agency Council, an organization that's come under quite a bit of scrutiny in recent years. How can an entrepreneur be sure they're joining something legitimately helpful or an outright sham? As the Forbes Agency Council was founded in part by the Youth Entrepreneurship Council, let's start with them. The YEC was founded by Scott Gerber and Ryan Paw. According to Ryan's personal website, this took place in 2010, and they've also written a book together called Super Connector. 
The book claims to present instructive anecdotes and winning strategies from who's who's roster of super connectors, revealing how to systematically manage a meaningful professional community to maximize value. And this has been endorsed by Barbara Kerkorin, known for her appearances on Shark Tank. Ryan has a lot of experience building these networking organizations by the sound of it, as he also co-founded Brazen Careers It, a career management site. It was while working at Brazen that Ryan met Scott and they began building YEC and community.co together. Community.co is a website slash platform that designs, launches, and manages community programs. It's all about connecting people in essence. YEC on the other hand is invitation only for the world's most successful young entrepreneurs. And I'm sorry, but that like sarcastic snooty like voice that I have, I don't know what it is, but I just feel that's gonna come out a lot more in today's episode. I just have a sneaking suspicion. Anyway, on YEC's website, they claim to be highly selective and only accept people that are 45 and younger, founders, co-founders, owners, and co-owners of a company that's generated a million dollars in revenue. Or it must have acquired 1 million in funding since its inception, or have been sold for at least 2 million in the last three years. There are also a variety of success stories on their website. Some saying that they found the expert panel particularly helpful and others saying that the YEC gave them access to other like-minded entrepreneurs that they were able to learn with. There's nothing wrong with that at the surface level, of course. It's just a community of young entrepreneurs growing and figuring out how to run their businesses together. As we've seen in the past, it's often when money enters the equation that communities become questionable. However, that's not what happened with YEC, at least not at first. In 2012, YEC formed a campaign and book called Hashtag Fix Young America, dedicated to bringing light to solutions to the youth unemployment crisis. This sparked student-led rallies across 300 campuses, but it wasn't the only hashtag organization they started that year. In September, YEC and City partnered up to form Hashtag Startup Lab, a virtual mentorship program that was free. According to Insider, this program would allow startup founders to access mentorship through live video chats, how-to content, and weekly email lessons. This article also called YEC the most elite membership organization of its kind, boasting over 500 plus entrepreneurs who collectively rake in over $1 billion in revenue. A few noteworthy members included Catherine Cook of Meet Me, Jennifer Fleiss of Rent the Runway, Slava Rubin of Indiegogo, and plenty more. And I'll be honest, I had to repeat that line a few times because Slava Rubin, I kept saying Salva Rubin, and it's very clear I've been watching way too much internet comment etiquette, but I am also not ashamed of that. So how did hashtag fix young America and hashtag startup lab help? Well, I'll be honest, I have some mixed opinions on that. Please note that the next few minutes are just speculation and my thoughts on the matter. So feel free to disagree, take it with a grain of salt. As there aren't a lot of reputable sources that have discussed these movements from YEC, I'm piecing together what I could actually find. And from what I've gathered, the hashtag fix young America book is a compilation of essays on entrepreneurship written by nonprofit founders, philanthropists, educators, politicians, and entrepreneurs. It reminded me a lot of that SuperConnect book, honestly. Much of it discusses fostering entrepreneurship and how to infuse entrepreneurial thinking into younger generations. Startup Lab seems to take a similar approach with chat hosts being wealthy entrepreneurs discussing their journey with generally young startup entrepreneurs. For example, one week the chat host was Rahim Fazl, who said that his senior year in high school, he just sold a web hosting company for $1.5 million. At the time, he was being told by his family, friends, teachers, and counselors what to do with his life. He went on to co-found the world's largest social media marketing platform, Involver, and was accepted into Canada's top MBA program at the Richard Ivey School of Business. He told those in his chat to learn to ask for help if you need it and how he graduated from university with an A average. 
Another featured business owner in 2013 was Dane Maxwell, who was scammed for $12,000 and left with nothing. With less than $200, he created a six-figure business that certainly sounded inspirational and fairly accessible. However, in interviews, Dane is extremely vague about what he does. He says you need to move fear and give the customers what they want in a clear way. Yet he follows this up by saying he isn't an expert at this mechanism, he is an entrepreneur, and he hires the experts. You will not think clearly and you will not be present to the circumstance. That being said, once fear has been addressed, and I have been afraid many days, and I just move the fear by expressing it, and then I get to work. And it doesn't need to be but two or three minutes of making it sound like that, and you're good to go. I do not fulfill or deliver the mechanism myself. I am not an expert, I am an entrepreneur. I do not work in the business, I own my businesses. In order to do that, I must not be the one who's the expert at the mechanism. In various articles about Dane, whether Forbes or Insider, what his actual business is, isn't defined. I finally did discover what his six-figure business was, and though Forbes calls it a software company, other claim that the company is actually just a service that teaches you to make your own SaaS or software as a service business. These days, when you look up Dane Maxwell, you'll largely find him talking about how anyone can make a successful business, marketing his teaching tools and books start from zero as opposed to any software skills. Those that attended his course have claimed that the foundation was an MLM format and they marketed for him in an aggressive manner. Some have called Dane a new age cult leader and stated that if you really want a SaaS business, you'll get it if you do the work with or without Dane's help. Others state that the foundation was truly worth the $5,000 price tag. And personally, I find it just a bit ironic that Dane has a book called Starting From Zero and seems to advocate for this message of helping young people find their way only to charge $5,000 for his course. I think I could respect these entrepreneurs a lot more if they were just more transparent with their message. I just find this incredibly funny and just, just something to think about. It's not that Fix Young America and Startup Lab can't be motivational, but I'll be honest, I fail to see how they help anyone genuinely struggling. Youth unemployment seems to be on the rise because millions of Americans have come to appreciate and expect young workers to have a four-year degree. Those that are at financial disadvantage don't always have access to good schools, higher education and tutors, let alone business advice. Startup Lab might be free, but I don't see how advice about investing in entrepreneurship is going to help someone that is out of work or stuck in a dead end, low wage and low skill job because there aren't any options available for them. This isn't to say that Fix Young America or Startup Lab is useless in any way, or that conversations about entrepreneurship shouldn't be had. I just personally don't believe that this really fixes Young America, as they say, as it doesn't address the whole problem. I feel like the title would be better if they were just helping young entrepreneurs or something of that nature. But hey, maybe I'm being far too picky here. It's not as if this book or movement or YEC itself is a downright scam or evil, just perhaps a bit misrepresented. However, it's their most recent alliance, not with Citi, but with Forbes, that has brought YEC into the forefront once more. And before we go on to discuss this new relationship, let's just take a moment to thank today's sponsors. Everyone loves an easy way to save money and Mint Mobile has the perfect one to help you with your savings goals. They can help you cut your wireless bill to just $15 a month. And how do they pull off this pure magic you might ask? Mint Mobile is the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. And they pass that savings on with a bananas starting rate of just $15. One of my favorite things about switching to Mint Mobile was not only the price, but that all plans are gonna come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data on the nation's largest 5G network. 
And I mentioned that I have a personal phone and I also have a work phone. And what was really cool is for my personal phone, I got to keep my old phone number, my contacts and my old phone. And I just kind of switched over to Mint Mobile. And with my business phone, I got a new phone, new number and all of that. So you can do both. And with Mint Mobile, you can choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data you don't use. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, make sure you go to mintmobile.com slash MLM. That's mintmobile.com slash MLM. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash MLM. Life is chaotic, and then you've got to feed yourself on top of it every freaking day or pick up toothpaste after you've already spent an hour at the grocery store. But it's cool because DoorDash can tame some of the chaos for you. DoorDash can get you what you want to eat right now and right to your door. They've not only got the restaurants you love, but they'll grab groceries and other essentials for you as well in just about under an hour. So when you want some late night ice cream, you got it. Forgot a key dinner ingredient, they'll grab it. Stocking up for the week, DoorDash can do that too. And recently, as in like last week, I needed to get more food for Casper because right now he eats fresh pet. It's the only thing he'll eat, which means I gotta buy fresh pet and I gotta change it up with the different, like, you know, the loaves and the cubes and the whatever, I gotta change it. And I got a new selection of fresh pet for him that I got at the store and he was rejecting all of them. And he wanted this particular, it's like the chicken loaf. I don't, if you guys buy fresh pet for your pets, you know exactly what it is. The chicken round circular tube and I cut it up into little loaves for him. He wanted it, he was throwing a little fit around the house, howling, yipping, and like refusing to touch his food all day. And it was just a really long day. I couldn't go out for a variety of reasons. So I ordered it on DoorDash and they were able to deliver his loaf. So DoorDash can literally do anything. And for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code MLM. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and $0 delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code MLM. Don't forget that's code MLM for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Forbes Council is a ecosystem of individuals who have a variety of skill sets around uh, entrepreneurship, technology, top leaders uh, in, in the nation. You've got a bunch In February 2016, Forbes announced they were partnering with YEC to create Forbes Councils. Members would be hand-selected by a council solution committee and given exclusive privileges, such as the opportunity to submit articles to Forbes, discounted access to conferences, a Forbes Council branded marketing collateral to display online, and of course, peer-to-peer online learning. This isn't to say that any article would be accepted without question as they'd still be reviewed, but still this came with quite a few perks. Any articles they publish are labeled with the tags community member on it, such as Jane Doe, Forbes Council post. This isn't for free, there's an annual fee. Practically every time I tried to find out how much the fee was, I got a different answer. One source says it's a one-time fee of $600, then an annual fee of $2,300. Another claims it's $1,200, and a third says it's $800. The point is it cost something to be a member. Anyway, a couple of years later on January 3rd, 2018, Forbes announced that they were partnering with YEC to launch the Forbes New York Business Council, a further expansion on its councils. One of the Forbes council members, Clay Clark, actually posted an article later that year entitled, Why Most Business Coaching is a Waste of Time, explaining how business coaching has primarily devolved into half-baked entrepreneur therapy sessions. I agree, and well, I find it ironic given some of the language we've seen used in the previous chapter we just discussed. 
There are multiple other branches to this Forbes Council as well, such as the Forbes Agency Council, the Forbes Business Council, the Forbes Nonprofit Council, and more. Their main benefits are, of course, the visibility of having your articles listed on Forbes, which builds more business opportunities, the connections you can make, and the growth you can experience. And again, this is just my personal opinion butting in here, but it just doesn't seem like Forbes is paying these business owners for their articles, so they're just getting free articles out of this? Is that like what's going on here? It just comes across as extremely self-congratulatory among the elite, as opposed to actually lifting up unique voices and perspectives. Those that have rejected Forbes' offer, such as C. Blom and Associates Inc. say that if it sounds suspiciously like advertising to you, you're not alone. Forbes community voice articles aren't explicitly labeled as paid content, even though to some extent, that's exactly what it is. CPNA spoke to Katie Culver, director of the Center for Journalism Ethics, who stated that, quote, "'Labeling something community voice is exceedingly vague. We tend to think of communities in a certain way, and the most likely interpretation here is that the content is coming from Forbes readers. Being transparent about paid content is a critical step and calling these articles community voice is insufficient. It's no wonder that the Forbes Council's appeal to so many as you're essentially paying one or $2,000 to get articles published to Forbes. If you really want that elite logo or stamp of approval on your website, it might be worth it. Really, it's basically a case of Forbes licensing out their name. They get paid to publish free content from Forbes Council members and in return, members get to use their name as part of their repertoire. Lovebelfast.co.uk argues that the council isn't even elite or about exclusivity because while Forbes has allegedly claimed they'll only accept 10% of applicants, the Love Belfast team alleges that they were all accepted when they applied. Either Forbes truly wanted Love Belfast on board or Love Belfast isn't telling the truth or their council might just not be as exclusive as they make it seem to be. This article also analyzes the other perks Forbes alleges council members will have aside from publishing, such as top insurance benefits, a concierge service, and a council with a virtual personal assistant that can book travel plans for you once a month. While this might sound great to some of you listening, keep in mind that members have to have $2 million in revenue minimum. So wouldn't they have a service like this anyway? Like when you're making that much money, why would you need to go to someone on a Forbes council to get good health insurance? Unless I'm misunderstanding what's going on here. Even if this seems like a perk, it isn't quite as valuable as it looks on the outside. This article goes as far to say that it appears to be a scam or a desperate way for a publisher to make money while exploiting a great brand name. As I'm sure many of you know, the name Forbes does have some weight behind it. So why would they partner with YEC to create this? Is it really as bad as we think? Or is it even worse? The criticism for Forbes councils has continued to keep rolling in. While Fabrizio Morera states on his website that he does not intend to label FC as a scam, he also directly compares them to Trump University, a company we've talked about before. At Trump University, we teach success. That's what it's all about, success. It's going to happen to you. Donald Trump is without question the world's most famous businessman. As a real estate developer, he has reshaped the New York Stock. And for those of you that perhaps may have not listened to that episode yet, let me give you a brief recap. Trump launched Trump University in 2005, claiming that the program would help people gain real estate skills and knowledge. Yet the program was incredibly costly with little to no payout for just about anyone that attended and multiple lawsuits have been filed against Trump University for their deceptive practices. They didn't even have proper licenses, accreditation, qualifications, none of that. Instead, Trump was largely able to sell his university to students because of his name alone. So how is Forbes Council like Trump University? Well, Fabrizio claims that he was actually invited to Forbes Nonprofit Council, but after he submitted his application, he was told he may be a better fit for the Young Entrepreneurial Council or YEC instead. 
Fabrizio stated, quote, "'Admittedly, I was elated at the prospect of being considered for the more elite YEC until digging deeper. Entrance to the nonprofit council only carries an $800 annual price tag, while YEC membership is $1,400. I only learned this because included in the message asking me to consider YEC was the purchase link, which revealed the larger fee. Fabrizio claimed that he decided to dig deeper into the Forbes Council after this and learned that contributors can only submit one article per month and that while accepted articles might display a council member's picture, Forbes Council is listed as a contributor, thereby making the member a co-contributor. While I understand the point about these articles essentially being advertising, I can see Fabrizio's concern about the articles not even being all that effective. Plus, the concierge service itself is seemingly questionable as Fabrizio found and posted several tweets from the nonprofit council's concierge director at the time, Cassandra Sousa. In them, she complains multiple times about United Airlines, her luggage being delayed and error messages involving flight tracking. These are issues an average person might go through with an airline. Therefore, it's not really all that assuring if a concierge director for an exclusive club is having them too. Fabrizio also claimed that he got a host of promotional emails immediately after joining the council and called them aggressive, yet not much better than what someone with average negotiating skills could achieve. Before too long, he was able to request a refund and leave the council, realizing that this simply was not the path for him. Between the way they sell exclusivity, come across as highly prestigious, and how the validity of the benefits come into play, Fabrizio states they share the same business model as Trump University. Although I do agree they are similar, I would not call these the same business model. Trump University claimed it would give students knowledge for a fee and skills that they could learn to find a job. Forbes Council isn't making any of these promises. Instead, I say the company is closer to the model of Magnesis or whatever the hell it was called by Billy McFarland. That too promised an exclusive club and access to a community for a fee, seeming prestigious, all while offering questionable benefits in return. It's clear that you do get something when you pay for Forbes Council, but how valuable it is seems debatable. Everything PR has made note of these questionable perks and said that YEC is in part to blame. Gerber, one of the founders and CEO of YEC, proposed this plan despite being described as a self-described hustler and bootstrapper who has survived and thrived despite never having held the proverbial real job. The article argues that by taking YEC's business model and trying to adopt it to Forbes, they're trying to force successful entrepreneurs around peg into a square hole, and it's simply not going to fit. This is more about licensing, about the Forbes name and selling the Forbes brand, EPR staff writes, going so far as to call it a scam and money-making scheme in their title. Other articles, such as one from Anna Ruth Williams in 2021, downright state that Forbes Council simply won't make you a better leader. Williams alleges that Forbes doesn't share council articles on primary social channels, hindering them from reaching the masses. Plus the articles have no SEO, search engine optimization benefit, making them difficult to find. And Forbes still has final say on if the articles are published in the first place. As this article publishing is probably the singular unique thing about the council membership, you can find concierge and health insurance services elsewhere, all these disclaimers do seem to make that fee less worthwhile. Of course, there are those that disagree and write that Forbes Council is a no-brainer. The value of visibility without having to spend tens of thousands of dollars make it worth it to some. While I can't call them a scam, especially given the MLMs and Ponzi schemes we've seen before, I more than understand why people are hesitant to back them. Although I know we jumped around a fair bit today, the questionable entrepreneurship course has definitely changed throughout the years. Companies have promised training while some students argue they're merely taking advantage of young, eager workers. Then they've promised the opportunity to build your own business and fix young America, while in my opinion, doing little to offer viable solutions. Today, we see YEC partner with Forbes, giving themselves a fantastic reputation, but the payout isn't nearly as good as it seems. 
This isn't to say that all entrepreneurship councils are scams by any means, but if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. But with all of that being said, that is the end of today's Multilevel Mondays episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you may have learned something new or something that may have challenged you a little bit today. If you have, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes. I appreciate you spending some of your time here with me today, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.